2: Open your hearts. Loosen your butts. It's time for couples therapy. I could do more. Open your hearts. Loosen your butts. It's time for couples therapy. Now we're gonna do a stage whisper. Open your hearts. Loosen your butts. It's time for couples therapy.
1: And welcome to Couples Therapy My name is Andy
3: And I'm Naomi We're a real life couple A real life couple of comedians And
1: on Couples Therapy We answer a couple different questions From a couple different listeners Hello everyone (laughs) Okay, no more heavy sighs Uh, Tuck the fear away Tuck the darkness away Lightness, Naomi I have a thing to talk about I was walking around the reservoir With my friend Aaron the other day All right, we love it you know, get out there in nature. Reservoir is beautiful. We did that in the in the beginning of the pandemic uh, during the choir phase. You and I would go over there, walk Mabel. Mm-hmm. So I'm there with my friend Aaron, walking Mabel, wearing an Alf T-shirt. Now, <laughs> sure, 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 sure. You got to represent. Uh huh. This is the thing. Over the <laughs> over the choir phase, I would uh, get Instagram ads for things, and then I would put them up with a yep. poll in stories and say, "Should I get this?" most of the answers were no you should not get this <laughs> but people were like i'm like should i get an elf t-shirt i'm an adult should i get an elf t-shirt yeah i did yeah even though the poll said no it was the one time i went against what everyone else said
3: no i think the second time because didn't you also get those glasses or maybe but just me i was the one who said no
1: you were the only one that said no to those sunglasses. oh the
3: poll said no, and
1: everyone loves those sunglasses i got some sunglasses folks from an instagram ad and everyone but naomi loves them okay joggers coming at us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Jogging at us, running. running. running You know, One's wearing a pavement (gasps)
3: t-shirt.
1: Old school. They must have been an old fan because it was was the the pavement with the eggs. I had this in high school. I had this t-shirt in high school. This could have been your best friend. And could you believe, Naomi, I'm wearing an elf t-shirt. The one time when it actually mattered to (laughs) be wearing a band t-shirt. Most of the time I'm just like, I, I need to differentiate myself from everyone else. Via, I'm an individual. I'm Via my band t-shirts. <laughs> I'm an individual, therefore I'm immortal and I'll never die. Yeah. <laughs> I am such an iconoclast on this earth. Right, 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 right. How can I pass <laughs> into the great beyond if I'm such a singular person? The one time, though, when when the bonds of friendship could have been forged with a stranger.
3: <laughs> you know, look, at best you would have gotten an approving head nod, but ultimately you're... You know, sure. You have so many pavement shirts. And to be fair, one, not only would you, yes, you would have been wearing another band t-shirt, but who's to say that band shirt would have been pavement. You're constantly, you've got like 90,000 band t-shirts. And can I tell you guys for the record as a person who does the laundry, which is like the only chore I do. Um, these damn band t-shirts are a pain in the ass, okay? Because they've all got that like plasticky decal stuff that very easily cracks and splits. So it's all got to be washed inside out and it's got to be gentle or hung to dry. And it's like for a t-shirt, it requires a lot of upkeep. I'm like, ma'am, is this a cashmere blend? Is this giving silk? No, it's not. It's a band t-shirt and I got to put in the same amount of gentle cycle behavior as though I am dealing with intimates. Intimates.
1: I mean these are my intimates. These are my personality intimates. That's true. These are my emotional intimates.
3: But these are your intimates for the world to see. Yes. Do you see? They're your exposed intimates. <laughs> That's who they are. They're exposed intimates. But you know, and then my other thing I was gonna say is that like, let's be honest, like someone who's like jogging at three PM around the reservoir isn't really gonna be your friend. You know what I mean? Like you don't really wanna hang out with that guy was a woman, first of all, Naomi. The doctor was a woman. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'm stumped. I'm stumped by <laughs> this riddle. I love that that was a riddle for the longest time. And it's like, you mean that the doctor was a woman?
1: Yeah. At what, at what point do you think it stopped being a riddle and everyone's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, the, the doctor could have been a woman. Why is that? Why? Or do you think that the, the riddle And listeners, Do you know what we're talking about? A, a man is in a was it a a his son is
3: in a or in a car accident a car accident the doctor says i can't i cannot operate on this child he is my son yes and then everyone's like how is that possible the man was in an accident
1: yeah the father's already like in is 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 past you know in the hospital somewhere else why how can this person be operated on them and also in the world we live in now it's just like well could have two fathers
3: also example exactly it's like let's not even get started <laughs> Let's. I mean, I mean, the world of 1955. Maybe that was. I <laughs> was like, blew I got people's mind.
1: It's was
3: like, what? Wait.
1: Like, what? What do you think blew someone in 1956's mind more? The fact that the doctor could be a woman, or the fact that there's the possibility that the child had two fathers. 1956.
3: I actually Eisenhower's think, in the White House. I actually think it's more. It's more mind blowing that. Um, the doctor's a woman because even in a world where a child has two fathers I don't even think they would um, let homosexuality come into play as much as they're like okay so you mean there was the the man who fathered the child and the man who's raising the child like they still wouldn't even put together you think it would be like a man relationship
1: or a my two dad situation
3: they're more likely to believe a my two dad situation (laughs) than a a female (laughs) doctor
1: (laughs) oh what a sick country we live in
3: <laughs> ah, 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 ah. Ah, ah, ah. The laughter turns rueful. Well, on an up note, I'd like to tell everybody if you are a member of the Couples Therapy Patreon, mm. we are having our page hang this coming Sunday, November 5th at 2 p.m. PST, 5 p.m. EST. Yes, yeah, so it's daylight savings. So make sure
1: you adjust appropriately. You awesome. fall
3: back. And then you show up to the page hang. Also,
1: my sister's birthday. So happy birthday, Erica.
3: Ooh. So you guys come through. Come with questions. Let's chit chat. We'll have an hour. We'll get into it. Maybe bring your leftover Halloween candy if you got it. Yeah, listeners, smoke them if you got them. What are you doing tonight? We have a little
1: bit of candy f- that you got from... Ask Rana.
3: Yes, from the Ask Rana Social Club came with some candy. So that's what I'll be eating. Yeah, that's what Andy will be having for the holiday. Peanut butter cups? Naomi, I got to ask you,
1: were you allowed to have candy when you were a kid? What are you talking about? I was just in therapy and I was talking about how in the early 90s, my parents became health conscious. Uh So they quit smoking. They started going to the gym. No more sugary cereals in Mm. the house. No more Nintendo cereal.
3: Half the... What's was Nintendo cereal.
1: Oh baby, half the box and also I had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cereal, which had little marshmallow turtles. Yeah, turtle heads. Okay. That so, sounds familiar. Half of the box was Super Mario Brother cereal. Half of the box was Legend of Zelda cereal.
3: But it's all mixed up in there. No. It was there was a barrier. Two bags.
1: Naomi, there was a barrier in the middle, and so you opened up each side. Wow. And you could have Super Mario Brothers cereal one day, and then you could have Legend of Zelda cereal the next day.
3: Now, do you recall what the makeup of the cereal was? Are we talking a puffed rice? Are we talking a corned flake? Are we talking marshmallow pieces? Cheerio? Do you recall? No, I don't. Just process shit that probably mutates your DNA. Well, of course, but I am just curious as to the deliciousness of the texture.
1: Yeah, Yeah, no. So the thing is, though, once they became health conscious... The only time a year I could get some candy was Halloween. Wow. That's intense. You know, we stopped going. to. We never went to McDonald's all that much before. But like, I don't remember going to McDonald's at all. Maybe like once in a while. Right. After they got health conscious. Okay. I had no idea. I
3: had no idea. Yeah. All right. So. So But you had
1: candy just randomly around the house.
3: Yeah. Yeah. My mom had a sweet tooth. So she likes candy. Um. Yeah, I was allowed to have candy. I think, I can't recall ever being a big, big candy bird. I was like gummy candy, a gummy bear for real. But I was more into like Twinkies. I remember being younger and like getting that two pack of Twinkies. <laughs> having some Twinkies and some milk. Uh-huh. And that was my idea of Decadence.
1: See, in my neck of the woods, we had Tasty Cakes. So that was always um, the exciting thing. You could get a... Uh, butterscotch crimpets. You gross. could get. <laughs> nope, they were great. I don't like butterscotch,
3: which is why I say gross. I don't think
1: it tasted like butterscotch, if I remember correctly. I think that was just the flavoring. But it, Sure, sure. Because uh, I'm not a huge butterscotch fan. You know, you won't catch me just down in a bunch of Werther's originals.
3: Ugh. A Werther's. <laughs> It's like, God, it's worthless originals. That's what I call them. Could you think of
1: a more appropriate name for an old person candy than Werther's originals? (laughs) And then
3: also, especially because like the, do you remember they had commercials for Werther's? Yes. And it was always just like a grandpa in a chair wrapping it and then putting it in its wet mouth <laughs> just like this is how y'all were like gonna make like i don't know i guess i feel like werther's didn't need commercials that was a waste of funds to put commercials into werther's who are you selling this to exactly and then you're just like showing some it's like just just put it just put it at the front at a counter at the drugstore people will buy the werther's
1: a child putting it into a grandparent's coffin just being like <laughs> i'll always remember you grampy one Werther's for the road, Grandpa. <laughs> and then there you or go. Or putting it on his eyes like, you know, <laughs> how ancient Greeks yes, would put like coins. coins for a Charon <laughs> to cross the river Styx. <laughs> oh, my God. Here's your Werther's original. And then but you, but have them, the remember, you, anyway. you have to hand them to the Greeks. I don't
3: remember. You have to hand them to St. Peter to get through the gates. <laughs> oh, my God. And then you just see St. Peter, which is like a pile of worders behind him. <laughs> being like, What am I supposed to do with this? Um.
1: Wait. wait, wait, Okay. Wait. To go back. Go to go back to it though. This Sunday, November fifth, two p.m. PST, five p.m. EST. A Patreon hang on Zoom. If you are part of the Patreon, if you want to be part of the Patreon, you can always go to Patreon.com slash Couples Therapy Pod. $5 gets you two extra episodes a month, plus fun extra stuff. Sometimes Naomi does stand-up. Sometimes we do these hangs. You know, we'll just talk. You can ask us any questions. We can answer any questions we want to.
3: Exactly. Because if you ask anything, too,
1: about our intimates. (laughs) Oh, well, I
3: mean, they're not going to ask that. I mean, Mm -hmm. we have reserved the right to say pass. What about our exposed intimates? I guess. Well, you'll be happy to talk about your exposed intimates. Talk about pavement and super trunk all day long. <laughs> but yes, so that's this Sunday. One other thing I wanted to
1: address before we get to the episode is that someone sent in a voicemail from uh, a listener in Philly. It was like, "Hey, so there's a there's a, a, a conservative political ad. Some like fascist shithead who's running oh. for office in Philly. It's running on the show. I want everyone to know. Oh. I have said at the beginning." I, you know, they asked us, "Hey, what ads do you want to run?" And
3: I said nothing political. And then, even more recently, they even asked us, like, "Let us know if you would be open to political ads, and if so, what type." And we said none. None. We said none. None. So, thank you for bringing this to our attention. Um, we sincerely apologize. I this don't is, apologize. It's not our fault. We said <laughs> we said don't do it. Well, but I'm sorry you had to hear it. That's not what you signed up for couples therapy for. True. Don't be undermining me when I'm trying to apologize to my friend. <laughs> And so I am sorry, and you know, hopefully that will not happen again. We will, you know, have to make a note, make a request, but just FYI, that is not on our agenda.
1: I threw a throwing star into
3: the A Cast offices that said no more political ads. Andy, yeah, don't make jokes about that. You know ACAST be listening. So don't be joking about throwing stars. <laughs> I'm they sorry They have offices all Hold over on. this
1: world. I have to cross off. I have so many throwing star jokes that I've planned to
3: do in the next couple of minutes. Hold on. Let me just cross these out. You are a damn fool. Can I please introduce our guest? Oh, please, because this was great. You have already heard his dulcet tones. This was wonderful. This was, you know, really just like, this person seems fun. And then we sat down and it was like, did not disappoint. You have heard him. You know him. He is Sam Sanders. Yes. He co-hosts the podcast Vibe Check. Which is so fun, so funny, so smart, so well informed, okay? Because Sam is bringing you the journalism, okay? Bringing you the receipts, the facts, the knowledge. He also hosted the recently dearly departed podcast Into It. You can listen to that back catalog. Andy and I were just on the final episode of Into It. I know. I thought we would be. I thought it would be disappointing for the listeners to like
1: hear two pop culture dummies on but i'm gonna say this Naomi, we fucking
3: brought it well look when we found out it was the final episode it was like okay we cannot phone it in no we also recorded 12 different backups because we said this is the final episode we cannot (laughs) mess it up we said bring it come in hot be ready honor the space by showing up fully and i read you know books and books and books on pop culture you did you did you listened to britney spears entire back catalog all right. <laughs> you you follow her on Instagram. You watched all the videos. You said, I've got to learn. I've got to drill down deep. I even put a snake on to wear just like in the toxic video. Yep. And you just kind of like, you just kind of had the snake over your shoulders, just gyrating around the house saying, Naomi, I'm preparing for Intuit with Sam Sanders. I said, okay, Andy, I didn't know you were some method. Wee, <laughs> wee, <laughs> So, listen to that. You've got and vibe check's still going on, so you can keep listening to that every week. And honestly, without further ado. Roll it.
1: Sam, I I want to right off the bat. I want to bring you into a an advice question coming from me.
3: Okay? Wow. From, wow. I think us. I want to I
1: just I feel like this is weighing on my mind, and if I just flush this out of my brain by oh. asking you what do you think of this, yes. then maybe we can concentrate, maybe we can get, into some, <laughs> get really deep, get really uh-huh. Okay, what
3: is it? I don't know what this question is, Sam. For
2: I now. am so ready.
1: <laughs> we were invited to a Shabbat dinner, very lovely invitation. I always say yes. I always from, say yes. Oh, of course. Okay. Absolutely said yes. And. and in the – Naomi and I are very COVID conscious. In the invitation was a, hey, we're going to mask indoors. We're going to eat outdoors. Yes. Loved it. Yes. Now, here's the thing. I'm vegetarian.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: We feel – this is a, a Naomi and I thing. Maybe this is a general thing that you can't put a hat on a hat. You can't have two requests. You can't have Ooh. two mm-hmm. things. Absolutely. The, in the invitation was the very, like, hey, we're going to be COVID conscious because yes. of you guys. Yes. I cannot possibly say, by the way, I'm also vegetarian. But here's the thing. Mm -hmm. do i do you say do you leave it and then you just eat sides and challah or whatever right which is i would be okay with that by the way and then they're like why aren't you eating the meal and you're like i'm vegetarian and then they go well why didn't you tell us or do you also say by the way andy's vegetarian and now we got two special things (laughs) now there's a third way Okay, tell okay. it, tell it. You
2: bring a cute vegetarian lasagna or casserole. You don't tell them beforehand. You just show up with a oh. vegetarian plate. You don't tell them beforehand. Because they have enough to worry about yes. getting this Shabbat together. They're running around Shabbating. Yes. yes. So you yes, want to yes. not give them any additional stressors. So you just happen to show up with the most beautiful vegetarian dish that feeds four to six. Mm-hmm, and you say, mm-hmm. I'm contributing this. Also, I'm vegetarian.
3: Wow, wow, that's I, a grown adult. That's I'm a grown telling adult. you,
1: that was an option I did not think of. Naomi yeah, did not think then, no, of. We didn't. You just <laughs> revolutionized. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe too late now because
3: yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is a couple <laughs> hours from it's, now. I'm not whipping it up. I'm not whipping it up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cook it we might, we might have enough. I might. Well, not lasagna, but something.
2: Maybe something. There we'll see. Well, also be stuff in the fridge. I'm old school. If I'm invited to anybody's house, I bring something. I do not come empty-handed. Oh
1: right, we're not. I don't coming
2: empty-handed. It. You gotta come we with have, something. Yeah. We, so like, besides I, the bottle of wine, bring a plate. Yeah.
3: Well, but this is my. This is where I am. Like it's because not only is cooking not um my forte, you
2: know, same in an not my age, ministry.
3: Exact in an age of you know the, in an age of greater male ladies come and hold on.
2: Okay. The dogs always bark. She's here. We're <laughs> gonna wait and see. Oh. It's hot today, so they're tired. Okay, we're
4: It's
2: a good a break girl. in. I, don't uh-huh. care. I love yeah. the tension
1: of that, though?
3: That was oh, it teaching. is
2: always, yeah.
3: Because we have a greater, a greater awareness around allergies, where it's like, you know, not obviously vegetarian, same old thing, but like, you know, the gluten, the you know, everything else. I'm like, I don't like bringing stuff and then having it go untouched because the act of making it was not pleasurable for me in any way, shape, or form. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Are you
2: making dishes that you'd be okay with taking back home and eating? Yeah,
3: yeah I do. I okay. would, okay. but 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 that's that's a secondary question too. Like, is it bad when you take stuff back that wasn't used? If you, you, you put brought,
2: it in your Pyrex, you put it in your Pyrex, and you're like, I gotta take my Pyrex back.
3: I'm sorry. That's true. That's true. I gotta true. take my Pyrex back.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. What if they but take the Pyrex, put it over the garbage can, scoop out the food? You oh, and get it, <laughs> it oh back no. to you?
2: The last Shabbat. <laughs> The Last Shabbat. You will not see me Ooh, again.
1: That's a great idea for a movie. The Last Shabbat. The Last Shabbat. By the way, here in America, that's probably coming up at some point. It's probably, it's
3: probably the so I don't know. Yo, it
2: is rough out in these streets. That's now, another Sam, story.
3: Sam, I feel like you knew the answer to that because you're like a southern gentleman. Like, you know the rules around hosting a rival. That's like part of a Texan upbringing. Am I wrong? It Texan is. upbringing?
2: Specifically?
1: I don't
3: Texan, know.
2: Southern, all this. So, my daddy's from yeah. East Texas. My mother's from Birmingham, Alabama. So, Texas, okay. Southern mix. Yeah. But in general, every time you were anywhere with people you loved or even hated, <laughs> there was supposed to be food and a lot of it. You know, th- yeah. like th- there was just a spirit of like food abundance. Mm. You never walked in, in, into anybody's house and there wasn't food, right? Wow. So, it's like that's our default. What's funny though is uh, we grew up very Pentecostal. So nobody drank. Mm. So the whole, like, bring a bottle of wine when you go to the party, I picked that up in adulthood. Because uh-huh. when I was a kid, you're bringing food. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I love nothing more than to walk into someone's house and they have food for me. And I love nothing more than someone walks in my house and I'm like, eat this. <laughs> eat it.
1: Eat it. I love
2: it. I love it. Yeah. You know. If-
1: if you're Pentecostal and going to someone's houses, do you bring them snakes? Like, what is the? That's a that white Pentecostal. There's a difference.
2: <laughs> have you okay, ever tell have never seen a black Pentecostal handle a snake. Okay. Have you? It hasn't happened.
1: <laughs> I've only ever seen it in like a, a TV show set in 1934, where you see someone right. in a tent.
3: Yeah. They don't yeah. show you modern day. I don't know what. You know. it is. Although I'm pretty be.
2: sure there's probably still some like in Arkansas. Mm-hmm,
3: I wouldn't mm-hmm. doubt that.
2: But yeah, that was a white Pentecostal thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so wait, what us. is black
1: Pentecostal then?
2: Great music, Mm -hmm. you know, um, a lot of repression of all
1: things.
2: (laughs) Our church was very much like anything that seemed or looked like the world, quote unquote, we couldn't do. So we had to behave in a way that made us look. Separate and apart from anybody who wasn't Pentecostal.
3: Fun. Oh yeah, it was you great. know, moving through the world visibly separate and apart. And <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. You know,
2: that's not going to make you a target of anything. <laughs> uh, the women couldn't wear jewelry or makeup. They couldn't cut their hair, and they couldn't wear pants. And they would wear those long Pentecostal mm-hmm. like denim skirts, you know, and the long mm-hmm. hair or in the bun, and then none of us could go to school dances or movies. We weren't supposed to somewhat sneak and do it. And we could only listen to Christian music. So when I got into music as a kid, We'd be at the mall, and my mother would be like going to like Lane Bryant, and I would sneak over to Sam Goody, buy <laughs> CDs, and hide them in my underwear to get them home. What? And I would just, listen just to like walking yeah, yeah, just with your booty clip.
4: Right
3: <laughs> <walking laughs> <your booty> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, talking about loosening your butts. Um, <laughs> and I would like listen to old Stevie Wonder CDs and whatever was trending at that moment. Um, in the bathroom for hours with the door locked. In my
1: mind, it was Pointer Sisters. I don't know if that's true. Wow. I'm just saying I mean, what, I should have found you, a
2: Pointer Sister in eighth grade.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you were telling your grade. story,
1: what I envisioned was a, a Pointer Sister CD.
3: Well, what I I'm thinking that. about is, how the hell you going tie up the bathroom for hours and not get in trouble i said you don't lock the door did you have multiple baths there were multiple bathrooms thank the lord what do you think well but this is what i'm saying though he no one would have liked that either right my mother
2: definitely at one or two (laughs) points was like what are you doing and i was like we're not having this conversation because either way i'm in trouble either way i'm in trouble
3: (laughs) right exactly okay multiple bathrooms so you had that option you you could just lock away okay Yes. I understand. And now, is, are your parents, is the rest of your family still Pentecostal?
2: My mother was till she passed away. Mm-hmm. My father actually never was. He was Methodist. They got together and he was like, that's all you, boo. So every Sunday, <laughs> he would go to his church and my mother would take my brother and I to the Pentecostal church. And we all would go to my dad's church on his birthday and Father's Day.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. His, his yeah. present was, come over here. And let me prove I got a family. Exactly. Exactly. What do yeah. you think? He was just
1: like, oh, yeah, I got a family in Canada. It was like one
3: of those things. You're like, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> like, like you keep mentioning these I do children. have a wife, I promise. <laughs> yeah. So he's yeah. like, come over here. It's my birthday. Uh-huh. Act right. Okay. Did you also,
1: <laughs> wait, did you also get him gifts or was that his gift?
2: <laughs> a lot of socks, a lot of ties. A lot of socks. Oh, my God. So many socks. (laughs) Yeah. He was, you know, he was one of those relatively unadventurous straight men. So it was like... One need not go too crazy with the gift we're going to get him, because he was just going to be like, thank you so much. And that's it, you know? Oh, so buttoned down emotions? Oh, yeah. He was, uh, and I, I, I love him. I love him. I love him. But he was always physically present, because he was a retired parent. He was always there. He was a drop-off pickup dad.
3: Okay.
2: Uh, so physically present, but emotionally distant,
3: mm-hmm. as
2: many straight men are. As yeah. many straight yeah. men are.
3: So let you
1: have gone to therapy.
2: Hands There you up. go.
3: <laughs> that's <laughs> right. That's right. So, now, growing up, you know, where you've got that repression undercurrent going on, kind of, oh, again, yeah. physically oh, present, yeah. you're like, I know these people love me, but it's sort yeah. of like, we don't get into it.
2: Yeah. Where did you learn to use your words? I, I learned, I really learned to use my words when I left home.
3: <laughs> okay, so it took a minute. It took a bit. I, yeah, I
2: grew up, there were two big things in my youth. I was obviously queer. Like, you could, I mean, just Queer as a football bat. It wasn't even a question. And everyone could see it. But I was in this very strict Pentecostal apostolic church. So it was just like not spoken of. And the whole orientation of my upbringing was like to navigate towards heteronormativity as best I could. But it was all unspoken. It was once or twice where they like tried to pray away the gay. And everyone was like, okay. Okay. And then the second part of my youth was having a really severe stutter. It was very hard for me to talk. I was good at school. I made a lot of friends, but it was very hard for me to talk. And I think that might have been linked to, you know, not being open to my sexuality. Anywho, all of the stutter started to clear up when I left home and began to come out. (laughs) Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was starting to get better in college, but... The older I got and the further I literally got away from Texas and more just began to live my life. I was like, oh, I can talk so freely now. This is crit. Oh, maybe That
3: is wild. Wait, wait, Andy's sorry, hold on. I got, out. Like, He's obsessed I got with this journey. A lot of questions.
2: With- and listen, I don't I'm not a speech pathologist. This is <laughs> just me seeking to place meaning on everything. But <laughs> sure. yeah. Hey, look but go ahead. If, if we don't
1: all just deal in cheap Freudian stuff these days. What are we doing? You know? In the modern world. Exactly. You know? But that was my question was there's no speech pathologist that you're talking to. This is just as you are being yeah. yourself. My parents is naturally yeah. kind of subsiding.
2: My parents would have sent me to speech therapy as a kid with my stutter if I wasn't so embarrassed by it. My brother was in speech therapy for other stuff, for other languages, and he liked it. It was great. Swore too much. basically but i think my parents knew i did not want to talk about my stutter i didn't want to address it i wanted to just like move through the world and try to ignore it so they didn't make me do it right uh but yeah i think like i remember my stutter starting to get better like in college and then i left right away after college for graduate school and then you know something happened i got up there in these streets and i was just you know (laughs) Grabbing dicks and talking. It was great.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you had a new microphone. And you said, I've got hey! something to say. Hey! <laughs> I've got something to say. Uh-huh, Wait, was uh-huh. undergrad, was Harvard undergrad? No, that was No, grad. Harvard undergrad Okay.
2: Googling, Googling. Oh, yeah. oh we do research we on do, this okay. show. We, we love.
3: I want enough to kind of situate things, yeah. but I actually prefer someone to tell me their version of their story. Do you know what I mean? Because okay. like, I don't want to come in and go, you did this and this and this, right? But uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I want to know say, some,
1: like, like one of the things I was thinking, of when uh, I was reading about you was do you think like going to elite institutions it's always we asked this to Nithya Raman a while ago because she went to MIT mm. and oh like,
2: thoughts and prayers <laughs> they're depressed over there <laughs> no like the Harvard kids are they party in the rich the MIT kids work too hard and they are depressed. Mm-hmm. It's sad over I could, there. I could see But yeah. it's Anywho. still
1: all like shaping you for some kind of destiny, oh, yeah. right? Right. Yes. And I'm, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. always curious about people who kind of buck that destiny a little bit, like you. If you felt it like a straight, like like to me, it feels like, oh, if like being Pentecostal in Texas was kind of like a straitjacket. You just yeah. traded that for a different kind. Well,
3: that's what I was going to ask. Cause I was like, how, you know, because for me, you know, going to white schools and these elite institutions were the opposite of freedom. And on one way, I did find my sense of humor. I think I literally only do comedy because I went to private <laughs> school in the Upper East Side. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> But that sense of I am who I am—I don't know if that like I—I I felt it, but I definitely didn't say it until much later. Yeah. That's I was, I was like, "Wait a minute!" I was like, "It's Harvard when you got comfortable." But it, you know, again, if it's grad, you are just a little more self-possessed by that time. Yeah. You know who you are, so it's like, "Yes, yeah. okay." Yeah.
2: I mean, the biggest adjustment for me, both of my parents um, were working professionals. My mother was a middle school principal. My father was a retired farmer who had done other lots of other things. So we were like solidly upper middle class. And in South Texas, I always felt like we were pretty privileged.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I didn't realize until I got up there,
4: <laughs>
2: b- b- baby, b- baby. So, uh, right? Like I wasn't even <laughs> in the same category. I, I I wasn't, it was a different rubric. Yeah. yeah. So just realizing the way wealth moves up there was one of the biggest adjustments. And then realizing that, like, liberal for Texas is not liberal. Mm -hmm. It's not. Like, I got up there with some Marxists. And they (laughs) were were so sweet, loved them. uh, But it was a different scene. So, like, Mm -hmm. all of that was an adjustment. And then I also, it was the first time where I was around people. I was 23 when I went. I was around all people who would never see me before. They had never seen me before, didn't know me before. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, you can right now be the version of yourself that you most want to be. Not Mm -hmm. not yourself, but like the truest version of yourself. So that's when I think it really kind of, Yeah. But yeah, Harvard was interesting. I think what I, it's funny, I I double majored in undergrad in political science and music composition. And the Kennedy School was my way to not have to go to law school, because I was just like, that seems, ugh. (laughs) And I thought I might do some work around politics, or consulting, or even fundraising. And by the time I finished the Kennedy School, around all these people who like clearly just wanted to be president, I was like, "I'm good. I, I'm good. I'm good." And like, I have a lot of former classmates who have like made their way up in the world. One of my really good friends from graduate school, she's now basically the State Department's chief DEI. Like, ambassador. She travels the world doing race work for the State Department. She's in charge of it, right? Another classmate who was a year under me, um, he just won the election to be prime minister of Thailand. What? But he's stepping down because there's drama. But, like, I knew him.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Those, I'll confirm that it's Thailand. That's wild. But like, Wait. we went
2: to school. We drank <laughs> right. together. <laughs> right, you know? right, right, right. These are the people you were partying yeah. with. I got to confirm it was Thailand. Pizza, I think it was Thailand. I got to cut it. Okay, it was,
3: I got the election, but I've got to go. you yeah, for pizza. choosing me, but but I just, yeah. it's too much no, drama. No,
2: there was something. I don't want to speak on it. Right, don't know but they, for sure, something but was found, won yeah. and something happened. It was found uh, but yeah, pizza yeah. went to school with me. And like, there are a lot of folks who I was educated with who are like now like doing things like one of my good friends Desmond he is about to run one of these unions he's been SEIU forever and it's just like rising the ranks but like those are those were the folks I went to school with um, and I knew then that I wasn't gonna go that intensely into politics so pivoting to journalism felt like it might give me away To cover a lot of different things over the course of a career, you know, because once I got to be a journalist, I did politics for a little bit, breaking news for a little bit, uh, culture, entertainment for a little bit. Like I could jump around and journalism felt so free after seeing two years of these people who were like literally dead set on being
1: president.
3: Right, 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 Uh right. Who are really Uh, like uh, in a lane. Almost none of them will
1: be except for your friend who... Very Pizza's briefly. gonna do it. Pizza, Very we believe. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's still time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but were you that self-aware of yourself when you said like uh, I was going to be? It wasn't like you were going to like reinvent yourself. You were just going to be the best you, mm-hmm. right? Were you that self-aware of it, or was it just that you everything was kind of relaxed enough that you were allowed to? I'm imagining. Sorry, in my mind, the metaphor is like uh, a, a loaf of bread rising. Right. Yeah, 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 You are yeah, just yeah. naturally—it uh, was, it was naturally allowed to become your loaf self. <laughs> yeah. Again, tar- sorry, tar- I, terrible metaphor. I, but Andy do you understand? loves
3: taking a metaphor to the very end, uh-huh. to do riding it, do it do to it. the edge. Yeah. It's
2: not yeah. a metaphor; it's a maxaphor It's maximalist <laughs> yes. all the way. I mean, I think with all of us, you know, we apply these narratives to our lives in post. You know, yes. we, we, we apply meaning and yep. a narrative arc and a plot line to our lives once we've lived the lives. So I don't think I was able to zoom out and look at myself and what I was experiencing while I was experiencing it. Mm-hmm. The way I talk about, you know, those younger years now is, you know, through 10 years of reflection and several years of therapy, right? So I don't think I was aware of all of these things happening within me and around me until I was several years removed from it. Mm-hmm. I, but well, how, I remember... It'd be oh, jarring. I'm. Oh my god! I'm no, thirty nine. Thirty nine.
3: Oh, so we're the same. We're the same age. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, because I look at slightly younger Black folks, not much, you know, but let, let's say like a thirty, a thirty-two. Mm-hmm. We're even though a that's different not, breed.
2: Different breed. Not,
3: it's a, it, even though it's not a big age difference, I do get a sense that just those years. Yep. You were allowed yep. to claim your blackness and talk a little more openly about your blackness. Like for me, the goal, whether even though it wasn't necessarily said, it was like to fit in with these white people. The
2: goal was survival.
3: Yeah. yeah. And like, to really like kind of be as under the radar, but then also be the best because mm-hmm. that's what's going to get you to the next thing, mm-hmm. you know, because so much of this, especially when you're talking about these elite institutions, right? Yet you're in there. Cause like the point is like most of those people you hang out with are the people who you're eventually going to, you know, be hired by or work mm-hmm. with or something. Right. So you're also kind of cultivating the professional alongside the social. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just interesting. And that's why I wondered because I was like, you seem like very self-possessed and put together and like you were able to no. manage these very terrifying places. Because I can't take my white wasping. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm from New York. I need you to have a little something to you. I need you to at least have ridden the subway a bunch. I can't have <laughs> you, know. you like too like well, kind of Yeah.
2: This was the benefit of the Kennedy School. So the Kennedy School is Harvard School of Government. That's where I got my master's degree. And more than a lot of other schools within Harvard and graduate schools within Harvard, It's incredibly diverse because it's incredibly Uh international. Uh So there actually was a very small core group of American black students, and we all hung out together and called ourselves the Blackity Blacks. But (laughs) the school itself was like half international.
3: Okay. And
2: so you saw people who were coming from different places of life from across the world, and that helped a lot. Uh That helped a lot. But I think that like friends who went to like the law school or something oh i'm sorry baby y'all right you're like (laughs) i I
3: can't with y'all but like you have to right you're like i can't but you're like but i must i can't but i must and that's like what's you know and i think it's it's something for me like in the move to la has been the Mm -hmm. difference like i just meet more sort of um what i call business black folks meaning they knew from an early age they had this vision and like this kind of focus and oh yeah sort of what it was but also came up with a cohort of other black folks who were that same way yeah like they, yes. they have a community around it oh the
2: there's the there's the jack and joe blacks yeah
3: and yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. i've met them and i love them but yeah that's it's they've lived a different version of black yeah you know and yeah. it's funny i'm not gonna name names but a good friend of mine he just like grew up in extremely elite institutions and around wealth. And he's black as he can be, loves black folks, only works with black folks. But like, there'll be some times where it's like, I'll be watching him and his friends and they're just talking about like skiing for two hours. Yeah, 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 And you're like, I don't even think you hear yourself. I don't even <laughs> think you hear yourself. But good for you, I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. My theory too is also that because a lot of these institutions that we're talking about are created by white people and have a white structure in them. It also self selects for what you called business blacks, Naomi. Oh, right. yeah. Because yeah, the
3: strength and the willingness to navigate. They're
2: definitely yes. culture policing. Yeah. They yeah, are yeah. readings, applications, looking for folks who like, are down to clown with the energy of that space mm. for like, sure
3: technically according to like my background i should be do you know what i mean like dalton and wesleyan i should really be okay oh you went it. to Wesleyan. what year were you at wesleyan <laughs> oh five <laughs> do you know desmond surrett that name sounds familiar girl the black kids at wesleyan didn't like me because i was more i was doing theater i was doing okay. improv it okay. was like a different it was a different yeah, yeah, side yeah. and i remember so distinctly there was a thing at wesleyan you started freshman year there was like the black house that you Mm -hmm. could pick as a freshman Uh. at Wesleyan. And I remember I didn't pick that house because... It was far away, and I didn't want to walk across <laughs> campus. I said <sent> Connecticut College.
2: <laughs> you would have been a central. totally different life.
3: I would have had, but it's so right. The people who made their friends over there freshman year, and then mm-hmm. that's the crew you come up with. it's like, I wasn't consciously saying I don't want to be around Black people because again, Wesleyan's small, so it's not like I thought yeah. I wasn't going to
2: be around them. You were seeing them, but you weren't in the house with them. Yeah, I wasn't. But you I was also like,
3: I was like, this is far. But then it was like my major was film. It was like one of the Black girl in film. Shout out yeah. to Misa Dayson. I hope you're doing well, sweetheart. But it was like it wasn't a lot of us in that. Like I didn't just because of what we were doing, even though it was a small school. Yeah. And so I didn't, but that was one of those things where I'm like, I guess I made a mistake early on not knowing when literally I was just like, I ain't gonna be all the way on Washington. I want to live all the way over here. And then next thing you know, and then cut to Mm -hmm. you said, well, I need more black people at my wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I had a thing
2: that happened in my like early to mid thirties because after graduate school at Harvard, I went to NPR and was there for like 12 or 13 years. And bless NPR, it was good for me. That's where I learned how to be a journalist. But it's not the NAACP up in there, you know? And so by virtue of my being there for a long time, my friend circle kind of skewed white for many years. Mm -hmm. And then in my 30s, I was like, no,
3: no. Yeah.
2: I am building the circle around me that I wish I had. Mm -hmm. And part of that work, let the vibe check. I think that was an outgrowth of that. Really? I was like, okay. I miss, I miss, I need more, where are my black people? Yeah. Because, in, growing up in Texas, I was at my all black church several times a week. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in undergrad, I was head of the Black Student Association, so the small number of us at the school were very tight-knit, mm-hmm. and I was involved in graduate school in the Black Student Association, so we had this group. Then I get to NPR, and I loved it. There is no Black Student Association. <laughs> They didn't have one. It's fine. Uh, So yeah, I think like you realize, I think in your 30s, that a lot of the friends that you have up until that point, they can be good friends, but a lot of them are friends of proximity. Y'all are Mm -hmm. friends because you went to college together. Y'all are friends because the cubicle was next to yours. Y'all are friends because like that was your roommate. Whereas in your 30s, when you're freer with your time and your money and your everything, you're like, I'm curating. Mm
3: Mm-hmm.
2: This, like, charcuterie board <laughs> of meaty friends <laughs> and mustard and pickles and cheeses.
3: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Wait, in this journey, where did therapy enter oh, in? Oh, yeah.
3: Tell us that. Because I had an ex who
2: was true. like, I'm doing this for you. Not even wait, lying. Wait,
3: wait, what do you mean doing this for you? Like, an appointment?
2: Yeah. I dated, bless his, bless his soul, Eric. We're still friendly. We dated for a while. We broke up maybe a month before pandemic began, but we dated for well over a year. And it was a good relationship, long distance, and made it hard, but maybe, half th- maybe a few months in, he was like, I love you, you're great. I'm gonna find you a therapist. And I was like, if you can, I guess, motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm still seeing Jonathan to this day.
3: Wow, but okay, now. So this is relatively late though in the game. I
2: think I started therapy in like 2019.
3: But your willingness, you know, somebody saying, I'm gonna get you some therapy, isn't always met with someone actually going to therapy.
2: Yeah, but when he said it, I was like, "Mm, you're right. (laughs) 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 You (laughs) do. You You know. (laughs) Well, it's so much of, you know, there's a certain kind of upbringing in a black church where a lot is unspoken. There's even more that's unspoken when you grow up queer in a black church. And I was always loved and supported. And in fact, my church was a one place I knew I wouldn't be bullied for sounding mm. gay as a kid. But there was just so much that was unspoken. And so I entered into all of my adult relationships, friendships, work relationships, romantic relationships, thinking that the way to live your life was to just do a lot of things unspoken and like hope that someone gets the context clues and like wander around just like quietly, like navigating life. And it's like, no you can talk about a lot of things and in fact you're supposed to just talk about a lot of things so that was Mm. like the biggest like uh aha from therapy just like oh shit sam you don't talk about anything like you talk a lot you talk a lot but you ain't talking about shit i was one of those people where it's like i was always very good at extending the bit
1: Uh uh-huh
2: i would i could extend seven bits at once all day and I'd have these interactions with people where we hung out for two or three hours and we're laughing and kiki and, but it's like there was no meat and potatoes, there was no substance, there was no actual how are you, how is your life, how are you feeling? No
1: mm-hmm. pickles and mustard.
2: There yeah. you go. So like that <laughs> has been a lot of the work of the last several years, like realizing how realizing that even though I literally talk for a living and have done so for years, there were many things that I was not talking about with close friends and loved ones that I mm-hmm. could I'm not gonna say should. Should's a bad word, but could be. You know? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. I get that extending the bit that resonated really hard. With <laughs> I, it was just like you could keep it going. I there. I have a friend Josh who uh-huh. most prior to like our thirties, most mm-hmm. of our interactions oh, yeah. were pure. Were the bits? bits.
3: Yep. Just and bits into your thirties. someone But i would
1: you get to a certain point with your with your childhood friends where you have to make that decision are we going right. to have a more mature relationship? Literally. And if not, I don't know if this is going to survive the next 30 40 years, right? Exactly.
2: exactly. Well, and then there's that thing that happens. It's like, you have some friends who just want to stay in the bit and then you have other friends who just like want to constantly relive the glory days. You know, uh,
3: Remember that time we got drunk in D.C.? Oh, my
2: God, girl. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, we take knee supplements now. <laughs> like we, there's a, there's a new chapter. We got to move forward. Anywho, yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. get it. But, you get but
1: when it. you were saying about curating your friendships, I think I have gotten rid of most of those. I call them zombie friendships. The ones mm-hmm. where it's just mm-hmm. nostalgia, just Bruce
2: Springsteen,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> glory, glory, days. Days? Yeah, glory days. Yeah, it's giving glory days. Right,
3: mm-hmm. right.
2: Yeah, no, totally. And like that, it. We can't look at that work as like an unkindness. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's just kind of the way things go. It's kind yeah. of the way things go.
3: It's it's funny. I was never, I i used, especially looking back, like I was always like a talker. And I think it's in part because, but I was also like a lot, right? Like was, I was, I think looking back to it, it's like I'm putting a lot on fellow children, fellow teens, <laughs> fellow young people <laughs> who don't know anything, right? Uh-huh,
2: uh-huh. And
3: so then I sort of pulled away from people and just said, I ain't going to really bother them. They got enough going on. Mm-hmm. And something I've had to learn part of this curation, I think, in part two, and Lord knows our listeners here, obviously the move from New York to Los Angeles, for instance stuff is we talk about like kind of making friends with more black folks you know I think I need it more and more as I'm entrenched in an industry or just making
2: friends in LA it's hard
3: well but I think that feeling of absence I feel it yeah. more here in general oh, yeah. because the yeah. city you know you can walk so around strange. and not pass a soul and like exactly. kind of exactly and also people
2: look at you crazy when you're walking around
3: exactly they're like <laughs> you
2: are you walking
3: down the street without a dog without yeah. a dog girl don't, they do, said, it. don't do it they said lawless lawless oh, yeah.
2: it's so bad now I have fre- so I live in LaMert Park south of the 10 I have a lot of friends, you know, Silver Lake, Lowe's, Feliz Area, as they are wont to be. <laughs> um, whenever I go to see them, I'll be like, I crossed the 10 for you. <laughs> you should know that. I crossed <laughs> the 10. Like, the effort required to maintain good friendships in yeah. LA is so much higher than New York. Yeah. So much right. higher. Yeah. Anyway, I cut I th- you off. Go ahead.
1: No, no I think no. the thing is, too, that in New York, it's so, it's so busy mm-hmm. that you can't hear the void inside screaming. But in.
3: <laughs> Angeles, it's so Ooh, quiet. That hit me.
2: <laughs> that wow, damn. yeah You think you've got it made in L.A. with that house in the backyard? Yes. In the backyard, you just hear your demons. You just hear <laughs> demons. That's what I'm saying. Like it's
3: it's that busyness or that sense of being part of a larger community or just like seeing other mm-hmm. um, people and things. But this idea of like. Kind of picking because it does take more work. And I think period, as you get older, right? As people get live, get busy, get kids, period. Yeah. Let alone pandemic layer and all that. So now I feel like I only want to get together with people where I'm like, what is the real? What are we doing?
2: Yes. Uh, Like we need to, yeah. There's no small talk. Are we doing this or not?
3: Are we doing it or not? Like I kind of can't keep up the surfacy conversation. It's especially too on the other side of like lockdown where I'm like, We've all been through a trauma. like Literally, no matter what your background, we went through a trauma. And I go, yes. can we all just kind of come from that place? Everyone yeah. I'm interacting with has been traumatized. Been
2: through it. Yeah. And you haven't grieved it.
3: Yeah. and we have. So like, let's all be kind of interacting with each other from that space. Yes. And other people, instead, they want to be like, did you see the new housewives? And I'm like, like, no, that's not about trauma. I don't want to talk about <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> Yo, there, there's some friends now, and not all, but like, I'll see them, and I'll just be like, how are you doing? And my eyes get wide, and I say it again: "How are you doing?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, "We're starting right, right. deep. Yeah. We'll talk about Housewives at the end of our hang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Exactly. We're starting deep. Yeah,
1: yeah. We're not saying it. don't talk about Housewives. Yeah. We're talking. Mix it in with the trauma. It yeah, you has gotta to mix be, it. You it. It gotta is mix a Reese's it. peanut butter cup okay. of trauma and reality. Wow. TV, right. I like that metaphor.
2: I like that metaphor.
1: (laughs) That's the way. You got your golden bachelor in my, I'm afraid to leave my apartment,
3: right? (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. I think we found a a great way to connect to humans, and I think we should take a break on that and answer some questions. Do you feel ready, Andy? Yes. Do you feel ready, Sam? I feel pretty ready. ready. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I feel pretty ready. We're going to take a break, and when we get back, we're going to answer your questions.
3: Let's be real. When it comes to fitness, starting is everything. Getting up the energy, setting the time aside, making the exercise plan, and sticking to it. It can be tough. As someone with a constantly changing schedule, sometimes I'm working. Sometimes I'm on strike for six months. Sometimes I got three jobs. It can be tough to make exercise a constant. And then once I'm out of exercise rhythm, I'm struggling to get back into it. But Peloton. What do I always say? Peloton. Peloton helps you start no matter what level you're at. Wherever you're starting, there are thousands of classes to get you moving. Whether it's a beginner or advanced ride, a feel-good live DJ ride, or artist-themed rides, we have got something for you. And the Peloton bike instructors keep you motivated from day one. They'll show you the basics, help take the guesswork out of your workout, and encourage you to build from there. So that's how you get stronger, fitter, toner, baby. And there's no chance of getting bored because Peloton Entertainment keeps you moving. You can watch your favorite TV shows and live sports as you ride. Perfect for those days when you don't want to miss a thing. So wherever you're starting, get moving with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at www.onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. With Sam Sanders, who really has it together. You should see y'all. I can just tell his kitchen is flawless. It's got that cool, like Wait. that kind of gray-blue paint that I can really like. Can I show like. you, though,
2: what makes me 12 years old? So I'm very proud of this kitchen. I didn't design it myself. The previous owners did. But when I got in this house and had a housewarming, people gave me fruit bowls. So now I have two fruit bowls. And for a while, I was trying to keep fresh fruit in those fruit bowls. No, don't do it. <laughs> Let me tell you what I have now. Is it
1: candy? I'm gonna guess so, it's candy.
2: I got one fruit bowl full of Kind bars. <laughs>
3: oh, and good call. another
2: fruit bowl full of Rice Krispie treats. <laughs> because you always want that more than fruit.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good um, dichotomy, in a way. You know, know, the Kind bar yeah. versus the Rice Krispie mm-hmm. treat.
2: And then one of the bowls is like heavy enough to like kill an intruder. Yeah. So I'm ready.
3: Perfect. I'm That's ready. What you need. A yeah. little
2: Cold in
1: mm-hmm. July type situation. Um, cold, huh? cold in July. The film where Dexter plays a Texan who is uh, not really into guns, but has one and uh, shoots an intruder, killing him, and then sends him off on a psychological, it's great. It's a great. <laughs>
3: In short, cold in July okay. is great. Cold in July. Yes, I, I, yes. I, like to, I just stare at Andy Blinkley when Michael he's describing, and I go, "Keep going." I'm just not <laughs> going <laughs> to give you nothing. I go, Tell, go let's "See how long you go. Gone. On. Let's see yeah. how long you can continue. Come.
1: Continue." Wait, mm-hmm. Sam. You seem, for someone who just started therapy in the last four years, you seem mm-hmm. healthy, healthier than I was four years in. <laughs> so, were you relatively healthy leading no. up to that? What was, I was the broken
2: like, and damaged?
1: <laughs> what, 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 what was it that Eric's like? You have to get into therapy.
2: I just would couldn't. I I, I couldn't. I, I was extending the bit with him, all the time. Uh, oh, so and even he was in your like, own. yeah, and he was like, we well, let's talk about. And I was like, isn't that funny? Isn't that? Like, just, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that that. So uh-huh. yeah, but also I think pandemic really like shook me in a good way. Yeah, there was this. <laughs> there were two years of isolation, and you you know you probably felt the same way. You leave that isolation saying. What do I really want? Yes. I've been in the house for two plus years, and we're lucky that we're out of the house. The pandemic isn't over for everybody, so I'm not speaking for everybody. But when I was able finally to get back outside, I was like, Sam, what do I really want in my life? Mm-hmm. And that, that helped, too. I think yeah. we are, it's, it's weird. It's like the pandemic really screwed us up, but in some ways, it was um, a clarifying process. Yes. Oh, yes. I
3: say it's a blessing. I say it's <laughs> yeah.
1: Just outright,
3: yeah. just outright yes. it was a blessing. No, totally. it was blessing. But you also are like a – you are a <laughs> high achiever, sure. That's kind of not even the point as much as like you seem to be a doer. Do you know what I mean? Like you have, you have plans, you, the things you want to do, and then you go to achieve those things. You, you got know? moxie,
2: kid.
1: Oh, my <laughs> Yeah, you God. got
3: moxie.
2: In general, I don't know. I feel like I'm just like – maybe it's an undiagnosed anxiety disorder. I just I'm, – I'm not trying to sit still. I'm not trying to sit still. Let's go. Like when I'm on vacation, I'm on vacation. But if I'm like around, let me do something. Let me do Mm. something. I, a lot of it, you know, I probably a lot of it is like linked to the things you do when you have to grow up closeted in a homophobic space. Mm -hmm. You do everything you can to impress other people and make other people laugh so they forget to be mad at you for being gay. If I am high Mm. achieving and I'm getting awards and accolades, you're maybe less mad that I'm gay. If I've made you laugh, you're maybe less mad that I'm gay. If my Mm. talent uh, in music has brought you to tears, you're not going to get mad at me for being gay. So I think a lot of The achievement, which I'm still unpacking, is linked to that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I am a lot less of a high achiever now than I was in my early 20s. -hmm. Now I'm kind of like, you know, I, I had this moment where I think the Sam of my intense, deep youth would say, this is it. You always do that for the rest of your life. Like when I started covering politics for NPR and was hosting the NPR politics podcast and like that was a hit, I think young Sam would be like, this is good for you. It'll get you good attention for a long time, never stop. But I think Sam of adulthood, who left that show, was like, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? And so that's led to me over the last several years doing lots of different things in journalism. But I don't think I would have been able to have that wherewithal you know, without the therapy and COVID and other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have rambled. We have to take other people's questions. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no, I, no I mean no. I was nosy. This I wanted is-
3: to know. There's so much. <laughs> <laughs> this is a chance. You know, sometimes I use the podcast to make people hang out with me. Yeah. And then there are times I take I said I, I said I put them to the microphone. And now I ask pushing
1: <laughs> one last
2: question.
3: <laughs> not to not to crumble this. Longest relationship. Oh, your longest relationship.
2: Two years and some change. Okay. Okay. I haven't told people. It ended um, two or three months ago of this year. Okay. Okay. Um, and it was, I think we both were very proud of how we um, ended it. It was, it was grown folks. Mm-hmm. We were grown. We were like, okay, I think this is ending. We were, in our, we were in couples therapy already. So we had several sessions to like close that loop <clears throat> and we're still cool. And I think one of the biggest blessings of the dissolution of that relationship was being able to have a few really adult conversations where both of us were candid about what went wrong and what the other one needed. Hmm. And wow. I'm like, oh, this, these are good notes. These are good notes. And I appreciate it. So that's nice. I mean, it's funny. He's out of town this weekend, so I'm watching his dog because our dogs love each other. But like, we're still in each other's lives. And it's like...
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Being able to handle a breakup like a grown up was felt really good. I think part of me was like, "Oh, th- this one ended. Was it supposed to be the one?" And it's like, "Well, I guess it wasn't." But also, like, I we both showed a level of maturity in all of it that I think will just. I was what's better for the next one. So mm-hmm. that
4: was good. Wow.
3: That's that was so good. good. Wow. That's so you know. good. I only know how to be dramatic and messy. <laughs> Tell me your
2: messiest ex situation.
3: Well, it wasn't. <clears throat> oh, Lord, there was an Australian. It was very
2: uh, insane. All of my friends who have dated Australians have come to regret it. I'm <laughs> sorry.
3: But it's a sense of, I think I needed to. So it had to be irreparable for me to truly to be done. Really do, yeah. yeah. And so like I had yeah. to make it bad. And it was like. What are we doing here? Andy looking at me like, "What did you do? What in the <laughs> <of your> closet? <laughs> How dare you?" No, just, <laughs> no, but I was looking. I was looking at you on the Zoom, and like uh, you just looked really serious, looking at me like, "What has she
1: done?" Oh no, I was just looking. Shake, I was looking shake. expectantly. I thought the joke. I thought Sam was like expecting me to be like, "What's this? Who like, an Australian? What?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And <I'm> just like <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play that up for a joke. And then you did. You it just for looked a joke. so
3: serious, and then I was <laughs> looking neutral. Why do you want to have a damn argument in front of a no. company? We bring Sam to the Zoom and you want to make a little, you want to start something. Sam, I love an argument
2: in front of a company. I love an argument in front of a company. <laughs> we get questions Give it from it to all me. over. We get Let's questions from
3: Gmail, from Twitter,
1: from Instagram. Of course, voicemail is our favorite. Naomi, what is that number? 323
3: 524 7839. Y'all, you get a three minute limit. Keep it right and tight. Start with a log line and your pronouns, okay? Because okay. you be getting cut off when you get into the juicy pot. We have we put
1: out a call because we had very a lot of very serious questions. We wanted a mix, Uh, and uh, everyone called in, wrote in with less serious questions. I like starting out with those. Okay, start us light, just kind of like ease us in. So here we go.
0: Hi, Andy and Naomi and wonderful guest. I heard the sort of open call recently for questions that aren't necessarily. Uh, relationship related. So I'm calling with my question. So I am a Naomi. I definitely not a Naomi. And um, I will also just add that I hold all other Naomi's in this world to a very high standard. And Naomi, you're like definitely the top of the list. Um so anyways, I don't really correct people if they mispronounce my name because I was definitely told I was enough as a child, probably like every day of my life. But that being said, I mean, it's definitely Naomi and not Naomi. And I have a coworker who sort of recently revealed themselves to be my enemy. And <laughs> I have worked with this person for years. And they have always called me Naomi. And so I am looking for suggestions and advice on how to correct them, on how to pronounce my name. And I guess maybe a variety of ways, because I sort of do want them to know that they're an enemy to me now. <laughs> But I also kind of like the idea of keeping them guessing. So maybe if there's like a friendlier option too. Um, I will also add that I work with a lot of international people who, you know, pronounce my name differently with different accents. That, that is not the case here. This is just um, a dumb man. So anyways, thank you so much. I love you all. Mazel tov. Goodbye.
3: See, this is one of those questions (laughs) that actually should be a different question, because we need to know about this enemy. Yeah. you This us what made him an enemy. This is less about the name and more about your nemesis. Exactly. You're dealing with a work enemy, and you're basically trying to set a boundary and draw a line with said enemy, but also keep it professional enough that you can work.
2: Yeah. I got (laughs) to say, I have no experience with having my name mispronounced, because it's just Sam. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So I want to I walk into this answer saying I have no expertise <laughs> to answer this question. That said, when I've mispronounced people's names at work or even when I've um, you know, misgendered someone by accident, I'm always okay with, and I'm glad when people just like call it out right there. It should be right, right there. I think right. like the easiest thing for Naomi, Naomi, right? Yeah. to do would just be to say the next time he says your name wrong stop right there in front of the whole meeting and say i'm sorry it's naomi and don't yeah. smile and like <laughs> i almost wanted to do it where other people see her do it so mm-hmm. he's a little embarrassed
3: mm, but right, i'm right, like because this is an enemy yeah
2: yeah but besides that what else do you do i don't know what would you do
3: well this is the thing people call me naomi all the time and, and you I let it go i let it go like this person. Oh. Saying, usually it's like it's oh. like it's not the end of the world. When someone asks me, I appreciate the Naomi or when someone goes, "Is it Naomi or Naomi?" and I will say it's Naomi.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I
3: also don't know who these Naomi's are. What's going on there? Naomi Watts? She's Naomi. I don't know. Them. This is what I'm saying because Naomi is its own uh, thing. It's somewhere else. Are there
2: Naomi's? Who are the Naomi's?
3: I don't know. Perhaps Naomi, Naomi Campbell. Naomi. Naomi. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, the big Naomi's, which is not another thing. So you can say, you're like, Naomi, like Campbell. Yes, I said it. Ooh. You know what I mean? You're like, make it a little joke, right? Where someone's yeah. like, yeah, like the supermodel. You know, you say that. Um, I say, say, it's, God
1: damn it, it's Naomi, then storm out.
2: Hell
3: yeah. I was <laughs> sick of this shit.
2: <laughs> yeah. Flip over a table. Also, if he's really your enemy, you're not going to get revenge on the enemy of it all by name correcting him. The way to get revenge on your enemy is to steal his lunch from the office fridge.
3: Yeah. That's wow the only way. okay that's an option that's, that's the only an way take his food
2: wait and like taunt him like take <laughs> half the lunch and leave half in there make him crazy
1: wait have you had a, an office enemy ever
3: a nemesis
2: have i any, any not really no I, I, i've had people i didn't like but i didn't like right, prank sure them. i didn't prank right, them.
3: Right, right. all? Like, did you have someone you didn't like where you're like i don't want to have to talk to this person do you know oh, what I mean? Yeah.
2: Where I'm like, each and every can, day. We
3: just, can we like just talk in email form and can we yeah. please limit it?
2: Yeah. Although those days are so far behind me. I have not been in an office, as I told y'all, since yeah. March 2020. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Okay, there were some folks I was like, I don't like you. And <laughs> you know what helps? Headphones. Mm-hmm. Headphones. Yeah, that's how you, you really headphones say on and and you, not available. No. Or like they'll come and want to chat and you'll be typing and then you go... <gasps>
3: <laughs> put them back. Put them back. Yeah. Put them back Making on. A real, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I absolutely yeah. had
1: an enemy at NYU. I, yeah. I had. I was a. I bet they went
2: assistant. to Tish. I bet
1: they went to Tish. <laughs> I oh no, I, I I didn't go to NYU. I oh, worked okay. when I was starting comedy in New York. I ah. worked at NYU to support uh-huh. myself, uh-huh. and they were a goody two shoes. And I was just there <laughs> to make money so I could take classes at UCB, right? Yeah. So yeah, uh, they they were like everything has to be. The correct and permanent proper and i'm just like i'm skating by i'm yeah. just doing yeah yeah, yeah. The yeah absolute minimum to not get fired and so mm-hmm. we butted heads all the time uh, and i tried to be empathetic but i think she was also just an asshole like yeah. outside of that i yeah. really because i there were moments where i was trying to like be nice and like in, and not argue or whatever like that and that didn't stop no. anything from yeah it didn't change anything so well a lot yeah. of
3: people you know so many, for so many people, their job, even if it's not the thing they love, it is the thing that fills the void. And so, so many times you're like, this is a power play, you need to feel something. You know what I mean, Mm -hmm. when When you're like, in the greatest, this doesn't matter, but like for you being in, in charge in this office or like, over yeah. the one employee you have under you yeah. is like what gives you It gives you them juice. so
2: much power and yes. juice it's like, It it's gives sad. them that confidence
3: and you're like, yeah. exactly, so you go, uh, it's like, then you want to be, you want to have love and kindness and you want to go mm-hmm. bless, you have nothing else to fill the void but it doesn't do anything to make it any more bearable no. like, for, yeah. like for those no. fucking hours.
2: Who was it? Somebody smarter than me on Instagram said this and I've seen it on my page a few times. It's this former New York Times journalist who now is like, a sex influencer on Instagram, this like older gay man. I forget his name. Oh, I was going to guess Maureen Dowd, but no.
3: <laughs> <laughs> sex influencer. Mm-hmm.
2: But anyways, he was talking about how over the course of his time as like an investigative reporter at the Times, so he would have to deal with some really horrible people on the phone when he was calling for interviews and such. And often he would leave those phone calls and go to his editor. He's like... <sighs> This person I had to interview was such a tool, such a dick. They were awful. This, this, that, 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 this. And the editor would always say, think about how annoyed you are to have had to interact with this person for half an hour. Imagine how annoying it must be to have to be that person. (laughs) Gives you perspective. Like, you might not get revenge. You might not know how to make him say Naomi versus Naomi. But take solace in the fact that he's small and petty and tiny and an enemy. And you are better than him. <laughs> You're better.
1: Mm, steal his credit card. Buy a bunch of oh. shit.
2: Oh. <laughs> That's what <laughs> always, I yeah. I would, I would, I would. Can you like take some keys off of his computer keyboard?
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, these are very fun minor office pranks.
2: Could you one night after he's left, the family photo that he has on his desk, crack the glass?
3: Wow, okay, now you're making people think perhaps there's a ghost. (laughs) I said replace the
2: photo. With what?
3: A picture of Slimer from
2: Ghostbusters. I don't know anything. (laughs) The specificity. The specificity. That came to mind
1: immediately. I did take classes at UCB. Uh-huh,
2: uh-huh, uh Uh (laughs) Uh
1: Do you have time
3: for another question?
2: Let's do it.
1: All right. This one comes to us from Gmail by Anonymous. Okay. Do you want to read this one?
3: Hey, Andy, Naomi, an esteemed guest. Okay, esteemed. I'm a page pal. I'd like to be anonymous and my pronouns are she, her, and I'm in a two-year-long relationship with a he, him. I have a question about money and income as it pertains to romantic relationships. I recently heard on a back issue of the Patreon, the two of you talking about times in your early relationship and creative careers, the struggles you had with working jobs you didn't like just to pay the bills, (laughs) like NYU, and doing hard, poorly paid, morale-defeating creative work. It was honestly so nice to hear people speaking honestly about money and what it takes to work your way into any level of success when you don't have generational wealth, a trust fund, or a famous parent who can get you in the door at 15. Mine and my partner's situation is a little different. We're not trying to make it in showbiz, but we're both self-employed people and we've been, had pretty varied and interesting lives and careers. This means that when we met each other, we had the messy slash unstable financial situations of more like year old, 25 year olds than the 35 year olds we are. We're very much in love. Our relationship is solid. We both feel like we're each other's life partner. Our communication's great. We've been saving and paying down debts for the last couple of years and we're now in a position to buy a house. Where we live is not super expensive so that helps. <laughs> Being so, s- not Los Angeles. Exactly. Yeah. Being self-employed and having wonky credit histories, we have to use a specialist broker and our initial mortgage rate will be eye-watering, but it is possible. The house search process process has been stressful mainly on me. I've done most of the work because my work is more flexible than his. It's easier for me to make the time to do all the things, the viewings, emails, filling out forms, etc. This has taken a pretty big toll on my mental health over the last couple of months, especially. I've been experiencing what I think is some situational depression mode. I've gotten back into therapy and it's lifting for me now. But the bitter irony, being in depression mode for the last couple of months has taken a toll on my income. Right as we're about to apply for a mortgage in a great on a great house in a great location. I'm super nervous and feeling guilt. That this dip in my income will negatively affect our chances of getting this mortgage when we've worked hard and saved over the last 18 months just to tighten our belts enough to get to this point. I'd love some advice, support, and solidarity on what it is to be in love and working towards bigger goals, supporting each other in doing so, and also swimming in the hot financial and mental health mess that is the late-stage capitalist hellscape of 2023. Wow. Yeah. Okay, wow. so there was a lot there, but advice on support and solidarity on what it is to be in love and working towards bigger goals, and also swimming in the financial and mental yeah. health. Wow. So, uh, you know, Sam, you know, yeah, you're a company. What are your thoughts, first thoughts?
2: I want to say first, I apologize to this letter writer on the effed up system that is American housing and home ownership. <laughs> it's bad. It's yeah. really bad. It's insane. It makes no sense. I was blessed uh, and able to buy a house, um, close to a year ago. I purchased it in March of the, actually half a year ago. I purchased it in March. I had been renting it for a while, and the owners were like, "We moved to France during pandemic. Do you want it?" And we that's what so I was to
1: France?
2: yo. And I by by hook and crook, I got it together. But it was one of the most stressful experiences of my life because in spite of doing pretty well in saving the last several years i had to give it all to a bank right all to a bank just to have a house you know so it's awful and even when you have the money the process makes no sense Mm -hmm. like there's that one day where you're just like why am i signing a hundred pieces of paper what am i signing (laughs) away and you just don't know So even when it works for you, it's crazy and it's hard. So I apologize for the effed-upness of the American housing system. But I want to say, upon first hearing this letter, I have one observation that I want to talk about more with the two of you. Mm -hmm. She says that they've saved enough to do it in spite of the high interest rates. Uh, She said that she's able to do more of the house searching because she has a flexible job. And yet she says the process of searching for this job... Has sent her into a depression. Yeah. Is a depression all about the hunt? Is a depression all about the money? Or is a depression about some other things that buying a home with this partner symbolizes? Oh, is the, snap. Is a depression speaking to questions of a fear of commitment or losing a certain freedom? Um, there are a lot of things that happen. When you buy a house with a partner,
4: mm-hmm. you
2: say yes to some things and you say no to some things. You're saying, I'm not going to up and leave. I'm yeah. not going to change my mind and go to New York tomorrow. Yeah. I'm not going to say I want a road trip across the country for six months because I can. You're saying I'm going to be here for a while. And you're saying I'm going to do it with you. Yeah. And I wonder, is that something that should be discussed a little bit more when you think about what your depression is? is and where it's coming from you say you have enough money to make it with your partner you say you have time to look for the house so what's the depression really about that's my question
3: well especially because Ooh. you know i just went up i mean all oh, excellent point sam really listened takes in the text and gets <laughs> oh. the analysis um that there she's saying too this is a two-year-long relationship which is not very long when it comes to the decision to, to buy a house to get it'd, it'd be okay to wait, to wait until yeah
2: it'd be okay to wait until you're five to do that like yeah, uh, yeah. And like, and the, y'all are both in LA. Y'all have seen yeah. messy divorces. They're, they're <laughs> always messy. Yeah. And, and like, fighting over a house, yeah, it's a thing. I cut you off. Go ahead, yeah.
3: No, 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 but I'm saying that. No, no, look, look at Brad Pitt and
1: Angelina Julia <laughs> and the wine, <laughs> their wine business. Did you
2: read that Vanity Fair expose on that shit? No. What? Oh, there's like 10,000 words on them fighting over Mirabelle. The, uh, the really,
3: wine, <laughs> the wine in like, Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah.
1: God, Sam, I know enough to reference a thing. I could, I could have thrown in, in Jodie Turner-Smith and Joshua Jackson. I just picked <laughs> like, a couple. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but I, I think, you know, yes. So I think there's a part where you're like, I think the thing you, okay, so, so you've been together two, two, year, two years, give or take. But then also, we've worked hard, led a pretty monotonous and draining life the last 18 months just to <sighs> tighten our belts enough to get to this point. So a lot of this relationship, has yeah. been has been seems to be focused on this house hunt. Wait, they've been together yes. two years. See, and two eighteen year months were bad. And eighteen months. So
1: most. <laughs> wait, what was the? I'm sorry. I so, can we pick this apart a little more? How
3: how long in did they decide to buy? six-ish months. Six it was months. Like we should get which a place. Is a months. lot. Which yes. how old is how old is They're this person? Do they say? They say okay. we're, we're more closer to thirty five that we that's, are. That's too <laughs> short a time. So I think too, and there's there's a sense of like, and what. And I would say maybe the depression is, one, you could be rushing in, and that doesn't mean that you don't love this person and shouldn't be together, but do you have to buy now? Can you wait another year? So that's also one option. But there also is the depression of... As you said, the housing market in America. What it is yeah. to constantly have to show who you are on paper and be denied. Yeah. You know, when you like put in yeah. a bid or when a bank says we ain't giving you money because you don't seem like you have it together. Mm-hmm. That That's is really what will upset you. When you put in yeah. a bid on
1: a house uh, where you know the owners and they deny it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Which has yes. happened to us. Yeah. But it's like, w- yeah. go ahead, no.
2: Hearing, you know what I'm getting here and you know what I'm feeling here. Tell
3: it, tell it. Sam's feeling something, larger. Um,
2: Six months into this relationship, both of them went into planning mode around a house and a future like that. Six months into the relationship is kind of the point where you can have some really good conversations about what each of you want, period. Mm-hmm. The first several months of the relationship, you're like, oh, my God, we have this in common and we have that in common and we have sex. We have sex every day. Oh, my God. this is my And then like you realize six months in this motherfucker likes death metal. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God. Or like you realize they don't like going out at all, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Wait, that's like that's
1: what the Pantera tattoo was about? <laughs> <laughs> like them?
2: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But it's like, it seems as if instead of this instead of this couple having spent time earlier in earlier in the relationship figuring out how they work together and what they want. It seems as if six months in they made this hard shift to performative. Heter- performative, compulsory, heteronormative partnership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're in love, mm-hmm. so we got to get the house. We're in love, so we got to do this life. We're in love, so our path must look like this path that like a lot of other people go down. Yeah. And I wonder if they've had enough of a talk with themselves about what they really want out of a relationship. Before they put home ownership into that equation.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll say even, you know, for instance, you said you this person, she's saying like you share Patreon and stuff like that. Like and as Andy mentioned, like we've tried a little bit, or we did try more Once. in twenty twenty two to like one single. But I'm time. saying we went to some open houses. Like we did dip our oh, toe yeah, into the in LA? Little, uh, oh, y'all yes. are brave. It's well, a wild, wild west. Well, this is the thing.
1: We found one house we could afford. Uh huh. As long as it didn't go above asking <laughs> A
2: little too much, well, yeah, LOL. <laughs> <Well, that's
4: laughs> like, lol. Well,
2: that's like, we're like, well, our, we know this person? Well, maybe, we didn't maybe know that when they we were, denied y'all, even though they knew y'all. Yeah, yeah, we didn't know when we looked at the house. We didn't that know when theirs. we
1: looked at the house, but wow. when we got the little, you know, you put in a bid, you get like a contract thingy, and, and little, you see the name of the person. And we're like, oh, we we're do know like, them. Wait, we know them. But the But the point is, they took the they took the biggest bid, not. The,
3: Which hey, we know these Which makes people. sense. Which makes exactly. sense. Well, exactly. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, but I guess my point is we go through that whole thing, and then we ultimately were like, this is a big stressor. This is very intense. This is actually something, and, and the money we've saved is still there. Yeah. So why don't we table this? And let it yes. grow.
2: Let the money grow. And people forget, we are, you know, we in adulthood recreate the patterns that we saw as kids. And so a lot of it, whether we admit it or not, we want to recreate the lives that we saw our parents and their friends lead. Mm-hmm. And that was a life where it was like, you know, yeah, you had a house two married parents who had yeah. a house. But we yeah. all know how much easier it was to, to afford a house back then. Right. Oh, yeah. And so like, you have to be honest about that reality and you have to let yourself not feel guilty if you can't achieve it right now don't feel guilty about it
1: yeah that world is dead it's (laughs) gone yes may never come back it probably won't in our lifetime so the goals that our parents had or still have for us in some way you 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 gotta let it let it put it in the
3: coffin and put it in the ground yeah it's gone gone. that world is over it's over I also think, too, like what you're saying, because you're like, okay, I'm depressed, and then part of my depression has made it harder for me to do some of my work where the money comes in. And I think, to me, it is like, and this is a larger conversation with your partner about like, hey, why don't we kind of table this until it feels a little um, less stressful, until maybe mm-hmm. we can build up our nest egg, because that mm-hmm. is never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, but if what you're feeling is like you want to do something, right, that feels, mm-hmm. you know, like we've, we're we we're grown, we've been together two years, whatever, I say take a baller trip. There are places you could, something you couldn't do when you, you know, before the debt yes. was paid off. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, go somewhere, the two of you, nice hotel, take a trip. And again, I'm Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs>
1: Baby. There's you're, a
3: zoo. You yes. don't, you're not going to blow the, you know, all the money you're saving for the house. Again, I'm not saying yeah. like take all that. But just something, because it does sound like part of this is about you know, you said these touchstones, the sense of we're grown or we're we so in do love. This. We, yeah, there are other things you can do, and yes. still, and you'll have the pictures and the totally. proof and the experience. Yeah,
2: well, and even just from a financial perspective, interest rates are like seven or eight percent right now. It's horrible for a mortgage, but it also means that if you put all that money you've saved for a house into a high yield savings account, you'll make some good money on it while you wait for rates to go down. It's actually mm. not. Bad financially to wait right now, especially if you can invest that money and earn a nice percentage on it. There, there's this pressure everyone our age and younger feels to buy a house as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. But like houses will still be there. And in fact, most likely interest rates will go down from this really high, high peak. Anywho, right. Yeah, but the houses
1: up. by that point will all be owned by BlackRock. And so,
2: <laughs> or be underwater, like <laughs> yeah. literally climate yeah. yeah. you know. change. I so, know. But maybe if, this
1: is that. Maybe hey, you know what? Maybe you guys should break your backs to, Andy, regardless of your depression or whatever, and get a house you're now. You're terrible, terrible. Before, terrible, before terrible. everything's on fire, you give or, terrible advice. You know, you pri- bad advice. Some kind of like giant private equity monster owns it. I don't know.
3: you give it terrible <laughs> advice. Meanwhile, I say go to Italy. Do you know what I mean? It's like find <laughs> yeah. another way to like yeah. invest in yourself that doesn't take all you, this.
2: You know what's great and not too expensive?
3: Croatia. Oh, yes, gorgeous Bluest beaches. Bluest water I've ever yeah. seen in my life. Blueest really? water. Yeah, girl. That's what I'm yeah. saying. There are ways you could, you know, and again, if you came to us and you just said, oh, I'm stressed out, that's one thing. But you came to us and said you were kind of in depressed mode and you're just kind of feeling yeah. like this whole thing is a lot and you're the person doing most of the legwork. And whenever yeah. you deal with de- bureaucracy, it's depleting. Like talk calling a yes. bank, it's like no wonder you're depressed. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, well,
2: and, you know, the simplest answer is like, If you can clearly identify a factor in your life that is directly causing you depression, get that thing out of your life. Mm -hmm. If the house hunt, for whatever reason, is depressing you, maybe wait and pick it up later when it doesn't depress you. Yeah, that's (laughs) my two cents. It's my two cents. Oh man, Sam, Uh, Sam, Sam, Sam. Sam. This was delightful. Thank thank you you so so much much for coming. I am honored. I love y'all's work. I love what y'all do, and your energy is just beautiful. I'm Ugh. a fan.
3: Yours. Oh, my God. I'm a fan. Okay. I think we've really set something up. I'll be outside to hang out with your dog. Okay? I'm rubber, You'll find me in glue. the backyard. Yes. I'm rubber yes. your glue. Whatever you say
1: bounces off me and sticks oh my to you.
2: God. Oh, my God. Y'all are okay. We're in town. Y'all which like y'all at Eastside? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah so it's those a those little bit of a It's okay. Next time I cross the 10, I'll <laughs> look y'all up. <laughs>
3: Perfect.
2: Thank
1: you, Sam. Thank you Sam. so much. Alrighty. We'll
4: see you guys next week. Bye. up apple Sarah Bay. up apple Sarah
2: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long.